John chapter 8, beginning with verse number 10, the word of God says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He tells the man who's been healed, Go and sin no more. He tells the woman who has been uh, delivered from uh, her captors who had been set up, and, you know, we look at this woman with pity, but this woman had issues. They knew who to set up so they could catch her in the very act of adultery. But having forgiven her, he instructs her to go and sin no more. Now, the nucleus for this message took place a couple of years, uh, years ago. How many of y'all got cable TV or got satellite? Raise your hand. You got about a gazillion channels on there. Hey, have you ever been like me and you're sitting down maybe at the end of the day or whatever, and you start flipping through that dude, and there ain't nothing on. And it amaz it's amazing, isn't it? Five million channels, and there ain't nothing on. The Braves won today, but the game's over, so they probably ain't nothing on. And football ain't cranked up yet, so, I mean, you know, from my perspective. But anyway, one fine day, and I thought exa exactly when it was, I was going through channels going, man, there ain't nothing on this TV, when suddenly I saw it, the Ernest Angley Hour. And I thought, man, I didn't know he was still alive. So I flipped it up because I ain't heard old Ernest in a long time, you know, baby, or nothing like that. So he had a guy up on a, uh, and he, he's doing the same thing, I guess he's always done. He had a guy up on the platform that had some kind of issue, but this is what he said. This is what caught my attention. He said, are you sinning? Now, man, you don't ask that in front of nobody, especially, you know, TV audience. And I mean, me, I mean, guy, he didn't know me, Adam Zalski, and I'm watching him on TV. Boy, Ernest said, are you sinning? Is there sin in your life? And he's like, well, oh, 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 you know. He's like, oh, 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 oh. You got to quit it. got to quit that sinning. Before he prayed for him, he just told him, I'm right. And see, we don't tell people that anymore because we're so afraid that that'll offend them. I'll never come back to your church. Well, here's the first thing is, it ain't none of my business is why I don't ask the question, all right? But the Lord impressed on me this particular subject about quit sinning. Now, for the lost person, sin has dominion over them. For the lost person, they do what they do because they are unable to do anything else. They don't have a desire to do anything else. And if they did, they can only go so far, willpower will, and then there is that over which they have no control. But for the Christian, we have been delivered. Amen. Now, when I say that, I'm not, you know, I'm saying that we are no longer bound by a lifestyle of sin. There are going to be issues that we have to address. Brother Clendenin taught us in the school of Christ there will be times down the road when the Lord will bring something to your attention and you go, wow, where in the world did that come from? And the Lord said, well, you've been carrying it around with you. It's time to deal with it. And that's going to happen to us in our Christian walk. But we are no longer under the dominion or the control of of sin and what the enemy how he gains an advantage on and I'm talking about Christian folks because I'm be preaching to the church tonight is by telling them there is no hope for you and you're low down and you're no good and you're all this other stuff in an attempt to move them away or distract them from the saving grace that is found in our Lord Jesus Christ Romans chapter 6 verse number 12 the apostle writing to us take it personal therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. 
And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse number 14, this is our Declaration of Independence. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And everybody saved in this house said, glory, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. For sin shall not have dominion over you. He's not talking to the sinner. He's not talking to the lost person. He's speaking to the church. For sin shall not have dominion over you, because we are not under the law, but we're under grace. And then verse 15 Knowing human nature, the Holy Spirit impresses on Paul to write this. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were, past tense, slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. The child of God, not only have our sins been forgiven, we have been set free from the dominion of it. Hallelujah. It does not exercise control over us as it once did. Now, now the devil is very effective at deceiving folks into thinking you're stuck in this or you're stuck in that and there is no hope for you. But I'm here to tell you on, on the authority of the word of God <clears throat> that for the child of God, for the born again, for that person who is regenerated, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Praise God. That's just one more reason to be thankful for. Because beloved, sin is the problem. You know why people die? Sin. One man sinned, death entered into the world so that all have sinned and all of us are going to die. That's why these bodies cease to live. It's because of sin. Amen. You know why you get sick? It's sin, not particularly a particular act of sin that you may have committed. It is the general, what I call the general curse of sin on mankind. That's why we get sick. You know why people do each other wrong? You know why that guy killed all them folks in El Paso and then that other man killed them folk, including his sister in Dayton, Ohio. You want to get right down to the nitty-gritty of, of what the root cause of it is? It is sin. The cause of misery in the human experience is sin. Jesus came to defeat it. Jesus came to deliver us from it. Hallelujah. Now, here we go. Every human being, with the exception of Jesus himself, because God Almighty is the father of Jesus Christ. We all, Adam is our father. God Almighty is Jesus' father. Every human being was and is born with a genetic predisposition to a habit or compulsive behavior. You've heard me share this often, that the Bible defines as sin. The Bible refers to this as the lust of the flesh. It's genetic. Somewhere, and I've lost, I tried to find it, but I took it off the internet where this is a scientific fact. It is proven. There is a genetic predisposition in every human being 
to an addiction, a habit, or a compulsive behavior that the Bible refers to and identifies and defines as sin. I got mine and you got yours. And everybody's got one. To say, oh, I ain't got one. You can just quit lying to God and lying to yourself. There's something all of us have to deal with. It is genetic. There are some things that the power of the human will is able to deal with. I'll use my father as an example. Back in the 1960s, I'll show you how old I am. We, how many of y'all had a black and white TV because you was too poor? There you go. <laughs> no, Drew put his hand up. Drew ain't. Drew ain't ever seen a black and white TV. On that black and white TV on the National Broadcasting Company, NBC, how many of y'all remember old Chet Huntley? Huntley Brinkley, old Chet Huntley. He had a special on TV, and what he told my daddy was, you keep smoking them cigarettes, they're going to kill you dead as a hammer. Chet Huntley said, if you smoke cigarettes, I'll give you lung cancer. Chet Huntley said, if you smoke cigarettes, I'll give you heart disease. And if you keep smoking them cigarettes, you're going to be gone before your time. And my daddy believed what Chet Huntley said. Because he took that pack of, how, how old is anybody in this house that you remember Newport cigarettes? <laughs> Woo! My daddy smoked them Newport cigarettes. It must have been cheap. My daddy said in the 70s that the tobacco companies were crazy. They could get $2 a pack for cigarettes if they'd only, you know. And he was right. And now what are they, seven, eight bucks? I mean, I don't buy them. I just, I just go in the convenience store and go, man. You know, and, and people pulling out change. I need a pack of My daddy laid down cigarettes. He was just as a, he was over a pack a day smoker. He laid them down by the power of his will, but couldn't lay down that bottle. That bottle cost my daddy his marriage. It cost him his family. It cost him one of the nicest homes in this county at the intersection of Mayhan and Highway 48. When my daddy died in 1986, he was living in the projects with his mother and his uncle and he was driving a 10-year-old Oldsmobile Cutlass automobile. Last time I saw that, it was on the back of a, of a, of a wrecker taken to be squashed because the motor had blown up. I kept the rims and the center caps out of it, and it reminds me, it teaches me a lesson. Sin will take the shirt off your back. It'll take everything you've got. And because we're afraid to tell folks that, because we don't want to offend them, don't you call me no sinner, I'll beat the snot out of you. Because we're afraid of offending them, we have, we have really sold folks short. Because that's what the issue is. Now, bad things happen to good people. This, this flesh is cursed, and you're going to die, and I'm going to die, we're all going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But your quality of life is better if you forsake a lifestyle of sinful behavior and embrace a lifestyle of righteousness as defined by the Bible. Amen. You know why the enemy fights this message like he does? And why he, he draws people into extremes and makes it so unpalatable? Because he knows if folks ever get a taste of living right, it's better, isn't it? Can I get an amen? Ain't nothing, Ain't nothing better. And see, that's the thing. And that's why the enemy fights it like he does. Because he wants folks bound. He wants folks messed up. But folks don't have to be bound and they don't have to be messed up. And this is what the enemy... <clears throat> the truth of the gospel that he wants to keep from folks. And it is our job to declare it. Hallelujah. 
There is power in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There is power in the anointing of the Holy Ghost to break the yoke. And you don't have to live bound anymore. You can live free by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hang on. Mark 14 and 38, Jesus said, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is weak. It just is. It is our point of weakness. It is the point of weakness that Satan thought he could exploit as far as the Lord was concerned. From his perspective, ha, ha, the son, the beloved one has become flesh. Not just put on an overcoat of flesh. He has, read John, he has become flesh. I'll get him just like I did Adam. Well, he took his best shot, but he didn't get him like he got Adam. Because even when Jesus became flesh, Hallelujah. There was power. Even after 40 days of fasting and his body was weak and he was tired, he was hungry and he was thirsty and he was weak and the enemy came to him to exploit that weakened state. Even in that state of weakness, our Lord Jesus Christ rose up and defeated the enemy of our soul. Hallelujah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why don't you throw, took him to the pinnacle of the temple where James later would be cast off and said, cast yourself down. (coughs) Bible said, we won't talk about the Bible. Bible says his angels will watch over you and you won't dash your foot on a stone. What was the Lord's response to that? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's why I don't play with snakes. Amen. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Even in his weakened state, the Lord still, in the garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed his great drops of blood, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. You think a devil wasn't on him in that garden? But when everything was said and done, he stood up, he said, I am ready. I'm ready. And they came to get him. You know where he won our salvation? Now it was perfected on the cross, beloved, but it was won in the garden. I, used to, I was raised up in a church every Easter. We sung that old song. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, and he could have, but he didn't because he loved us so much. I remember that song Brother Dan used to sing when he was on the cross. Jesus was on the cross. He was, I was on his mind. And that, that's, a true, that's a great song because that's a true fact. He, he did not have to do that, but he did it because he loved us so much. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Paul speaking to the church. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the what? Flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Who did he say? Let us, having been cleansed, now let us cleanse ourselves. We are in a state now that we did not occupy previously. What we could not do before we can do now by the grace of God. Now what is that? Man, that is hope. That is hope for that person that's bound. That is hope for that person that is all tied up. That is hope for that person that is in misery. You do not have to live this way anymore. There is power in the name of Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to wash your sins away, hallelujah, and to deliver you from its dominion. Let us cleanse ourselves. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, 
I, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the what? In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. How do we respond to the, the slings and arrows of the enemy? Because I'm here to tell you, if you are saved, the devil is going to whisper in your ear and tell you that you're not. You ain't saved. And you think, well, why would he do that if you wasn't saved? Why would he want to tell you that you wasn't saved? He's a liar and the father of it. He's telling you you're not saved because he knows that you are saved. How do I combat the enemy and, you know, and this, this, this campaign of propaganda that he tries to... It's very simple. I live by faith in the Son of God. You ain't saved. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You ain't saved. I believe he's born of a virgin. You ain't saved. I believe he lived a sinless life. You ain't saved. I believe the blood he shed on that cross is sufficient to wash my sins away and his grace has made me a child of God. Now about the time you get there, the Holy Ghost gets involved. And then you find out what power really is over the enemy. And he wants to run, but you ain't through yet. You want to tell, hey, I got the rest of the story. Where are you going? Instead of him badgering you, yeah, you reaching out, hey, come here, son. Let me tell you the rest of the story. Let me tell you that he's alive from the dead, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came down and indwelt the church. And, Doc, that is me. And I have received power in the name of Jesus. And he has given me power over you. Where are you running to now? Come on back. I ain't done with you yet. Hallelujah. Let's go to the end of the book. He's going to return in majesty and power. Hallelujah. His foot is going to touch the Mount of Olives. It's going to cleave into a great valley with a sword that proceeds from his mouth. He shall defeat the armies of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And I got news for you, Doc, that an archangel is going to grab you around the hair. He's going to whoop a chain around your hide and dump you in a bottomless pit for 1,000 years and shut you up. Now by this time, he's on the road now and you by yourself in the presence of God rejoicing and worshiping and giving God thanks for everything he's done for you. I live by faith in the Son of God. If we will embrace that, we will embrace that, confess that, embrace that, quit kicking yourself as Brett Cooper said many years ago and I've always tried to give him credit for it. Will you please quit whipping yourself Jesus Christ took your whipping 2,000 years ago. Amen. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. <coughs> the 17th verse says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. That's what gets us in trouble. Then in the 24th verse, he says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We can do that. We can do that. He doesn't say the Lord did it for us. He said we could do it. See, we, we have yet to fully appreciate everything that Calvary provides for us. We, you know, we talk about salvation, the forgiveness of sins. That's all great and wonderful. But there's more to salvation than the forgiveness of sins. There is walking in the light. There is living a life of righteousness. 
there is living a life of liberty and freedom. Hallelujah. Where the Son of Man is, there is liberty. Where the Lord is, there is liberty. He sets the captives free. <laughs> I looked at this after the Lord impressed this on me. I said, I don't know how this is going to go. Several years ago, oh, Lord, one of the brother Andy's stories again. There was a Chinese buffet restaurant in Fort Payne that's closed now. And it's Marlene's fault because Marlene and Robert went down there and they said, boy, that's a great Chinese But Me and Dorothy went. The nice drive, go through Menlo, up on Lookout Mountain, through Mentone, drop down in the Valley Head, hang a left, go to Fort Payne. It was on the left. Like I said, it's, it's closed now, so I ain't getting nobody in trouble. And Dorothy and I had gone down there several times, and boy, I tell you what, it was good. Man, that was good. I love Chinese food. It was good. It was good. And one night we went down there, and see, Dorothy is a food service professional. She, she is Serve Safe certified. And she noticed that they were uh, uh, doing things in a manner that wasn't exactly Serve Safe. <coughs> it was a buffet deal. And when you got a buffet deal, you got to take that at the bottom of the pan, and you got to move that pan out and put the fresh pan in and put what's on the bottom on top of that. And you don't just come and dump the fresh on top of the old because that old's liable to be there for six months. But they was fresh and doing the, the good on top of the old, and, and Dorothy didn't tell me. Now, it's not her fault. So we're sitting there, and we're eating. It was good. And that was back when Sister Bolin was alive, and the girls took time and about uh, spending the night with Sister Bolin. And she said, you don't have to spend the night with me, but she really wanted them to spend the night with her. So it was a Saturday night, and Dorothy went spending the night with her mama. Two o'clock that Sunday morning, I became the definition of food poisoning. From two o'clock Sunday morning, I did not leave my bedroom until Tuesday evening because I was one sick puppy. And after this experience, you couldn't have put a shotgun to my head and made me eat any Chinese food. I didn't want to eat it. I didn't want to smell it. I didn't want to talk about it. I just wanted to forget it. Because that's as sick as I think I've ever, ever well, except for that DDK I had. I'm, I'm, you know, Brother Andy, why are you talking about dying and going to heaven? Because praise God, I'm going to get out of this sick body when I go. Glory to God. So that's how sick I was. And then Dorothy, she, I don't know how she got, it hit her about the same time. And she got home that morning. And uh, I think she opened the door and said, dude, and I went, Because our bathroom was just right there to the side, so all I had to get up, take two steps, and I was in front of the toilet, which I spent a majority of that time. I knew y'all were just thrilled to death to hear this. And along that line, I'll share with you, uh, I'm going somewhere with this, hanging there with me. Brother Tatum shared this with me years ago. Uh, Brother Tatum grew up in a good church of God home. His dad was a good Christian man, and uh, I think it was uh, the Church of God in Buford is where they went, Buford, Georgia. And Brother Tatum backslid, and when he backslid, he took up smoking cigarettes. Well, the Lord was merciful to Brother Tatum, and he prayed through it at a T.L. Lowry tent meeting. He got in there, and I'm here, I'm here to tell you, folks, why do I bring my kids to church? You bring that child to church. You don't know what the future holds for that child, but dear God, they will know when the time comes, when they're in the right place, they'll know. 
Now know this is the real deal. That is the voice of the shepherd I hear calling me home. And the Lord called Brother Tatum home. He'd already married Sister Tatum. And the next night he's out. T.L. had a prayer tent. He's praying through the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And Sister Pat, she's getting saved in the big tent. And things all hunky-dory. The only trouble was that while Brother Tatum was backslid, he got addicted to cigarettes. You ever been around somebody that had to have a cigarette? Now, I'm not trying to, you know, personally offend anybody, but I have. When I got a cigarette, they packed themselves. And after having patented themselves once, they packed themselves again. And then if they're around anybody, they ask them, hey, you got a cigarette? Go up to complete strangers. Hey, just big-eyed. Can I help you? You got a cigarette, man? Can I bum a cigarette off you? I got to have, man, I have a cigarette. Well, this is what state Brother Tatum was in. He had to have a cigarette. He felt bad about it. But my God, I got to have a cigarette. So he pulled, he got him one, lit that dude up, took him a drag, and it hit him like a ton of bricks. <laughs> he said, I've never been so sick in my life. He said, I, he said, he prayed. He said, Lord, please deliver me from cigarettes. I need deliverance. I ain't got the willpower to lay them down. Oh, God, help me. Deliver me from cigarettes. Now, he meant business when he prayed, and the Lord meant business with him. You light another one up, see what happens. He did. He got sick. He said, I got so sick. He said, not only did I throw the rest of them cigarettes away, he said, I cannot stand to be in secondhand smoke. If somebody lights one up around me, I will leave, and I don't care who it is or if I hurt their feelings. I got to get out from that cigarette smoke. I can't handle it. it just to think about it makes me sick. And he never lit up another one. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not, if you smoke tonight, I'm not getting on to you. I'm just saying this was Brother Tatum's experience. I've counseled with folks over with you, and I'm talking about Christian folks. Oh, Brother Andy, I can't quit. I'm hooked. I'm addicted. I'm just done in. I can't. And a lot of it goes along. I can't live right. They don't just, just exactly say that, you know, they're, they're hooked on heroin or whatever it's, I can't live right. I just can't do it. I'm, oh, you know, all this stuff. And I really don't put up with that. Because what you're doing is you're calling my Savior a liar, and he's not. Jesus Christ can save anybody. And he can change anybody's life. And he, whoo, I just felt the Holy Ghost. And he can deliver anybody from anything at any time in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. What are you saying, Brother Andy? If sin gave you a dose of food poisoning, you could quit. There ain't nothing that you associate with your food poisoning experience that you can't lay down. If you can associate that with the sickness of food poisoning, what I experienced them days of just about going out of my brain, anything you associate with that, it was years before I, I even, even thought about eating anything out of a Chinese restaurant. I couldn't stand the smell of it. Why? Because I made an association between that and how sick I was. And I'm here to tell you tonight, beloved, if, if you ever have that kind, I hope you don't. But if you ever experience that kind of misery, if you can make an association between that and whatever it is that the devil's told you, you can't quit and lay down, you can lay it down. Because you're willing to say, I, you know, and it, look, I, I pump myself with insulin every day. I become a pin cushion. I got to take my blood sugars. I got to shoot myself with these insulin pins, stuff that I tried, you know, I, I tried not to do. 
But last Christmas was I was in CCU with diabetic ketoacidosis. I told that doctor, son, I will do whatever it takes. I will hang by my ankles from the courthouse clock if that's what it takes for me not to go through this again. All you have to do is tell old Andy, you need to do this so this don't happen to you again. So what I said I'd never do, I do. I'll pump that insulin if I have to. I'll take my blood sugars. I'll, I'll try to be a good boy. I've been drinking water here lately instead of sugar, you know, sugar-free tea or any of that other junk. I said all that to say this. You don't know what you, the Lord can enable you to do. Now, I'm still praying for my healing, y'all. Don't misunderstand me. I still believe I pray for other folks. Smith Wigglesworth saw more people healed, I guess, than anyone in the last 200 years. But he rolled on the floor with kidney stones, cried out to God, Oh, Lord, why? You've healed all these other people. I'm dying with these kidney stones. There are some questions we won't get an answer to until we get to heaven. But you know what I believe? I believe old brother Wigglesworth was so happy that when he walked through that gate and entered that city, I don't think he thought about it one more time besides then. The only person I know who probably asked the Lord a question would have been my dear mother-in-law who said, I told everybody I was going in the rapture. <laughs> but I think she's over it by now. You don't have to live that way. I shared with you this morning. I got the name right here. We're going to pray for her family. The family of Shelby Kaylin Jordan. My first cousin, Paulette. It's her step-granddaughter. It's her husband's granddaughter. Beautiful young lady. Got the photograph on the obit up in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They said she was a, a, an exceptional softball player. She has left, leaves behind a young son. I wonder if anybody told her, having gone through all that rehab and all them step programs, that there was one named Jesus Christ who would be able to deliver her completely. That's our job, folks. I'm not talking about practicing medicine. I'm talking about telling people that Jesus is their only hope, that Jesus is their only hope, but he is their hope. He can tell. They're going to bury her body. She leaves behind that family. She leaves behind that son, people that love her, people that tried to help her. There are some issues that man can't do anything about, but the grace of God can. That's why I don't give up on nobody. Brother Andy, you don't give up on nobody? I don't give up on nobody. Oh, but they did this and that. I don't care what they've done. You don't, whoo, glory. You know why? Because it's not a question of what they've done. It's not a question of where they're at. It's not que a question of how bad off they are. It's not a question of how deep that pit is or how sticky that mud is at the bottom of the pit. It's not a matter of how hopeless their situation is. That's not the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ. The issue is the only begotten Son of God. The issue is the power of His name. The issue is His commandment for, for us to fulfill that great commission and tell these folks, I know that the doctors have tried to help you. <coughs> I know that rehab has tried to help you. I know you've tried to help yourself. And I know that you're in a complete mess. 
But I have good news for you. There is one who is able to wash your sins away and to deliver you from this affliction and make you whole. Praise God. We come to this house and this, you know, the Holy Ghost is more than speaking in tongues. He's more than running up and down his aisles. He's more than jumping straight up where we're standing. There is power in the name of Jesus and there is power in the anointing of the Spirit of God. I told you this morning, I have been entertained. Talent can entertain us. I know what that is to be around people who are proficient in what they do and I am impressed and I am entertained but it does not hold a candle to the anointing of the spirit of almighty God. Talent can entertain me but the anointing of the Holy Ghost can change me. The anointing of the Holy Ghost can deliver me. Hallelujah. I pick on Richie all the time. He ain't supposed to be here. You're supposed to be dead, man. <laughs> well, the doctor told me, who are you? I'm the pastor. He looked at me like, so what? Oh, look out, doc. Man, don't, don't run your nose down at me. You better know who I represent. Well, you can tell the family to get ready. He's not going to make it. And I wish I'd told him. Go ahead, son. I wish I told him. You don't know who his mama is, do you? <laughs> you don't know there's a, a church full of people that are praying for him, do you? I could have said, well, the doctor said he ain't going to make it. I may as well go on out, tell Sister Martha, Brother Steve. Well, the doctor says, Lord have mercy, that Richie ain't going to make it. But I didn't. You know what I did? I laid hands on him. He couldn't move. He's all wired up. And tubed up. I just laid hands on him and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal him. Praise God forever. I joined my prayer with the prayers of others. I ask you to touch him and I ask you to heal him. And you know what? Before long, old Richie come out of ICU. And then after that, he come out of Cartersville Hospital because the Lord had done a work in his body that the doctors could not do. They told me he was hopeless, but there is no such thing as hopeless with Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. <coughs> Hallelujah. Stand your feet all over the house. There's somebody in your family that the devil's told you hopeless. I got him. I just laugh at him. He told me my son was hopeless. I laughed at him. <laughs> well, Brother Andy. Yes. Why? Because his mama and I dedicated him to God before he was born. Hallelujah. And when he was born, the devil tried to kill him. And he was dead. That nurse come in there and told us, we're having some difficulty with your, your child, your baby back in the nursery. He's turned blue. He's not breathing. They're working with him right now. He died. All right? Let's just call it like it was. Ty Hutchins was dead. I got up, I picked up the phone, called the, the church. Brother John Caldwell answered. Brother Tatum was fixing to start preaching. I shared with Brother John what the situation was. He went in, told Brother Tatum. Brother Tatum held everything up, absolutely disrupted the order of service. Said, this is how it is. This is what's going on with Andy and Dorothy's baby right now. Let's all pray. Amen. 
And by the time the church had finished that prayer, that back door was going tick, 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 tick. All them bowlings was gone. We had to leave him in the hospital. Nine pounds in ICU with all them premature babies. He looked like a giant. Went back the next day, talked to the same doctor who told us the day before, your baby has this, and he has this, and he has this, and he has this, and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and this is wrong, and we're dealing with him right now, and we're running tests, and we're doing all this stuff. But that same doctor the next day said, Mr. and Miss Hutchins, you can take your baby home. We have run tests, and there is nothing wrong with him. That's why I laugh at the intimates. Oh, no, you don't have my son. You just think you have for a little while. That boy's on the road to Damascus. And that same Jesus is going to knock him off his camel one of these days. Praise God forever. We don't give up on anybody. We don't look at any situation as hopeless. We are not deterred. We are not distracted by the way things look. We believe what this book says. And we stand on it. You got somebody in your family that needs deliverance? Won't you come on down and stand in for them tonight? Let's pray together as a church family. Let's lift one another up in prayer. I tell you, the Lord's pleased with it. He's pleased with it. We pray one for another. When we express love and care and concern for one another. The Lord is pleased with it. 